When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the John Favreau is My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Monica. Bonjour, Jessica. Bonjour, Monica. Ça va? Ça va? <laughs> <rire> oh oui, welcome Suzy France podcast. <rire> je m'appelle Monique et je m'appelle Jessica. Et bienvenue. Ah, <rire> uh, hello everyone. Hello. How are you, Monica? I'm good. I am a little sad today. Why are you sad? Because uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg oh, died yes, yesterday. You're 100 right. Yeah. I just wasn't associating your sadness with that. Oh yeah, that that's a, the big sad. It was very sad, and then the earthquake shortly after. Right, and then there was a fucking earthquake because she decided to like go to heaven. She said, "I'm not done yet." Rattle, 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 and then rattled the earth. But yeah, a a a. A sad, a very sad loss. Very sad. She hung on for a long time. I know she did, yeah. Rest in power, girl. Rest in power, queen. Mm-hmm. We'll keep fighting for you, doll. Hell yeah. Um, Before we do anything, I have something to correct yes. from last week's episode, which when I listened <laughs> back to, it's not even when I listened back to it, I had a revelation. I was driving to my ha- uh, home from Long Beach and I realized mid-drive, I was like, I have made a grave error. <laughs> And like I just want to let I just want to let the audience know I do not know who the fuck this woman is this daughter of Judd Apatow so so we were, I had to trust Jessica we were this. telling uh, we were reading back a uh, friend of the pod Courtney's uh, de- like meeting a daddy story last week she mm-hmm. met Judd Apatow and she in the thing she was like she was talking about his daughter and she was like, I don't know, maybe her name is Mauve. I don't remember. And immediately I just go, no, her name is Maeve. I am aware her name is Maude. I know her name is Maude. I have always known that her name is Maude. And she yet has. in the moment I was like, no, it's just, it's Maeve. It's Maeve. Okay. She corrected me. And I realized, <laughs> well, I wasn't correcting you. I was like clarifying the story. Sure. Sure. Is what I was trying to do. <laughs> but yeah. 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 I, yeah, I realized yeah, 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 yeah. it after we had already published the episode and I was just like, God, God fucking damn it. So I'm sorry, Maude Apatow. Your name is not Maeve, but I do like the name Maeve. So, you know, you could change it if you want. We're friends of Maude. <laughs> friends of Maude. Um, but yeah, that, so that's my cor- correction for the top of the episode here. I don't know if I forgive you. <laughs> You know how you have you to know, like. I wouldn't either. You know how you have to like feel forgiveness in order to like distribute it. Well, I I'm just not don't sorry know. to you. I'm sorry to Maud. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So on uh, today's episode is a fun one. What do you think? 
How do you feel? Do you feel, uh, or do you feel not, like it's not fun, Monica? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so today's episode. Today's episode is on. Jello! As if you didn't know that because I've been so posting about it on. Yeah, Instagram. I was going to say, like, you know what? It feels a little silly to constantly be introducing. <laughs> whoever we're well i mean i did think it was important at the top of the episode to inform people who the episode is on maybe they didn't read the title maybe they don't follow us on instagram because they're fake fans fake fans follow us on instagram at john favreau's my daddy Uh, (laughs) friends family friends of the court friends of the pod we give you today jennifer lopez i'm gonna give you a little bit of info about her in case you don't know anything okay okay so our girl JLo, Jennifer Lopez, formerly, is <laughs> Jenny formerly. from the block to her friends. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to say I'm a fake fucking fan. <laughs> okay. I want to dance, whoa, and love, ooh, is that What's your favorite JLo song? Ooh, again. Monica. <laughs> oh, um, it's, uh, um. Um, the one, the one that plays at the end credits of the wedding planner. I don't know that song. You know that song. <laughs> you know the song. What it's song? about, it's about love and like, not like, not if you don't have money, like I'll still love you basically. I don't know the song. You'll have to play it for me after. Oh my, my love don't cost a thing. A thing. Oh my God. Okay. You have to stop yeah. or else we'll get sued. <laughs> That's true. Uh, my favorite song by JLo is uh, Waiting for Tonight. Oh, yes. 100%. Waiting for Tonight. Wow. That song. <laughs> <laughs> I used to sing it. I had this like um, karaoke system when I was a child that you would just plug directly into your TV and it was just a microphone and you would put these like little chips into the microphone. It was called Ikara. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know where it ended up. I think I sold it at a garage sale, but (laughs) one of the tracks was waiting for tonight by JLo and I would sing it all the time. Well, you would sing it well all the time. No. Oh, okay. Just wanted to check. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, actual info about JLo incoming. So JLo is an actor, singer, dancer, model, designer, producer, and all around business woman. She's a daddy. She is. After dancing as a fly girl on In Living Color, she began acting professionally in 1993 with her role in Selena in 1997, being her breakout performance. She's the highest paid Latin actor in Hollywood and was the first woman in the U.S. to have a number one album and film at the same time. She made a quote unquote comeback, according to critics in Hustlers, and does not seem to be stopping anytime soon. She is also a literal daddy, a.k.a. mom, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) To two babies. Two babies. And she looks like she did in Hustlers right now. (sighs) You know... It's it's like not it's not it's not fair fair it defies science it defies gravity and God <laughs> that's what plays when she steps out of the shower <laughs> and everything goes up instead of down <laughs> I wonder if she like sleeps hanging upside down like a bat probably <laughs> I would say so maybe she's a vampire Her so she literally she is has to so plump it's full of blood. I mean, I there, agree. there are a lot of medical m- procedures happening. I don't know if she's gotten plastic surgery, but she definitely invests a 
fuck ton into skincare, skincare. Yeah. and her physical fitness, etc. We stand her. So, you know, well, she's she's doing the work. She's she had a fucking Vegas show. Yeah. She had a Vegas residency. She had a Vegas the residency. The woman didn't stop dancing for like no. 2 hours. And now she's engaged to A-Rod. So, yeah, what a what a beautiful couple. What a career. Like holy fucking shit. I know. I when you think of JLo, you think dance, you think love, mm-hmm. you think dance again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, you're not wrong, is what I'm gonna say. She is just simply Jenny from the block. Not anymore, that you know, she's, she's not from my block. I was gonna say, she's, I don't think like Bel Air or wherever she lives is the block. Anymore. Yeah, we'll be getting. But it's fine. It's you know it's fine. She she earned it. Ladies and gentlemen, the first film of the day. Mm-hmm. 1997's Selena. 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 Everybody loves Selena. Everybody truly does love Selena. I yeah, think this honestly. is what the 25th anniversary of her death. You either love Selena or you've never heard of Selena. There's only There's two only options. There's only two options. You cannot be indifferent. Or to- you have heard of her, but have never like heard her music. In which case, like, what are you doing? Sure. Go look, go look it up. Yeah. Go listen to it. Exactly. Put it on. <laughs> as you're like, as you're glugging the fabuloso beedy, beedy, on your- Beedy, bum, bum. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> beedy, beedy, fucking bum, bum. <laughs> Como la flor, bitch. <laughs> Tanto amor. <laughs> I have not met a single human being on the face of the planet uh-huh. that I haven't like spoken of Selena to, or like Selena's playing in my car, or like some, something's going on, and they go, "I like hate Selena." I haven't met a single person I who fucking like hate Selena. <laughs> who's like, "I fucking hate Selena." I've never met a single person who's ever said that. Well, I also I just don't think that you can say that. It's one because it's impossible, and two. If you're a polite person in any kind of regard, you just don't say that about people who were murdered. That's very true. You know? May she rest in peace. R- what a queen. R.I.P. Selena, 25th anniversary. I don't know what day she died, but this is the 25th year. Would it be um, insane if it was today? Oh my God, I would scream. We would have heard about it. You would think, but there's kind of other like bigger things going on. Oh no. <laughs> in the news. She died on March 31st, 1995. So this Sheet. past March was her hor. <laughs> her yeah. uh 25th anniversary of her death. Sad. So Well, I just dragged this entire thing down. <laughs> okay. Um yeah. So uh, let's get into the movie then. Selena 1997. Written and directed by Gregory Nava. Selena is a biographical film about the life and career of Tejano music star Selena Quintanilla, played by Jennifer Lopez. The film follows her musical beginnings as a child in Texas, or Texas, playing in a band with her family to her superstardom as one of the most famous Latin artists of the time until her sudden and tragic death at the age of 23. Can you imagine? No. Your life being like totally cut short at 23. Like that's insane but the fact no. that she had the fact that she had so much like of a legacy she had well she had lived like a lifetime's worth of you know stuff in 23 years 
like a full a full lifetime she became a fucking music star that's in true. 23 years she, she became was, a, an icon she was married she was that's a fucking true. icon you know it's mm-hmm. not like she was me at 23 working retail <laughs> and doing nothing <laughs> she, she was like a real person she was a real person uh yeah no uh we love this film mm-hmm. just right off the bat to let everyone know we're in, there's there's nothing about this film that we don't like no, it's um I I will say that I think it was put in a really interesting position as far as biopics go because they made we the, made it 2 years after they her made death. an interesting decision of making it 2 years after she died or releasing it 2 years after she died. I don't know how long it took them to film. Um I mean one of the things that I do have to say about this film is like very similar to something like 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 other films that handles things that happened very soon mm-hmm. or not very soon but very like recently to when the film was made or released or what have you yeah um it you can only have so much like hindsight from that sure like i'm sure it was still very fresh for the family oh yeah um and then finding someone first of all you no matter how you feel about jayla's performance in this film mm-hmm. right because it Taking on someone as as beloved and as beautiful and as and as amazing and talented as Selena, taking on that role is already polarizing. Like like some people feel very protect, protective over that role, mm-hmm. that character, the person, the memory, and um, other people like they 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 love it. Right? They mm-hmm. love they love the the J Lo Selena pairing. They love that that she played that character. Yeah. Um, I think that with this film. The only thing that I will say about it is I wish that they had made it later. Yeah. Like I wish uh, it was sort of lightning in a bottle, right? So like it 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 catapulted JLo to her fucking stardom. Yeah. It's where it's where she literally became a star. Mm-hmm. Um I just I guess I just wish that in sort of in pursuit of of, of storytelling in pursuit of of making sure that that the that the story that you are telling yeah. is as truthful as impactful and as honest as possible mm-hmm. i think it could have only been done in the way that i'm thinking of a lot later after her death than simply 2 years no i agree because i mean selena has an incredible reputation you know like people loved her to this day every her whole family all of her friends everyone who met her said like how incredible she was but as any human we're all flawed human beings Precisely. and so i think that the this movie there's not a ton to say about the character exactly quote unquote even though she was a real person of selena because the depth can only go so far because it was two years after she died they didn't leave a lot of room for you know exposing maybe flaws that she had flaws that also constructed her character exactly i think that i think that if you were to make i i know that they're making a a, a limited series, series yeah. right on netflix with a new a new a new i'm pretty sure she's a, a tejana actress mm-hmm. um and so i think that specifically for this film yeah. and jlo's performance in this film i mean i i, I every time i see this movie i cry Sure. And and obviously it's because fucking Selena died and that was a fucking yeah, tragedy. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up listening to her music and 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 her being the way that she was and very unapologetically um who she was and mm-hmm. where she came from 
Like that, that, that gave a lot of people like me and people in my neighborhood hope. Sure. And I think that for JLo to take something of this stature on, like I have a massive amount of respect for that because you are a, essentially a nobody and someone's asking you to portray a beloved human being who tragically was murdered. She didn't, you know, she, she didn't peacefully die in her sleep. Like she was, she was murdered. Yeah. And so in having that sort of like confidence and that drive and the, uh, first of all, the sheer talent and ability to be able to take that on professionally. Sure. As a professional working actor, as, as a, basically a nobody like that is to me a testament of who JLo is and what she can do in this industry. Yeah. And she showed it very early on. Yeah. Agreed. Like one of my biggest notes on her performance in general is that like she had, you know, like she had been in stuff uh, in like some bigger movies by the time she did Selena. She, I don't think she had starred in any yet, Um, but she had been in a couple, but like this very easily could have been like the defining performance of her career. And I'm not saying that anyone ever forgets that JLo played Selena because when anyone talks about JLo, you have to talk about the fact that she played Selena, but this very easily could have like put her in a corner in terms of her performance where she couldn't be known as anything else. And she like very much broke out of that. And she, she played a famous singer and then went on to have her own music career entirely different. Totally different. So it very easily, you know, could have set her on this certain path, this like dead end path, and it didn't. No. And I think that's a testament to one, her talent, and two, like her persona, her star power after that. Um, and like her, you know, her hard work. So her work ethic, yeah. This yeah. was her very first starring role mm-hmm. where she had top billing. Um, and the fact that she was so young. The mm-hmm. fact that she was so hardworking and the fact that she took this role on sort of like unwaveringly, like without blinking sort of um, almost like gives me goosebumps because it, it's it makes more sense to me why she was, you know, she got a lot of Oscar buzz for Hustlers. She's always been that way. Like yeah. She's always been capable of taking on these kinds of roles. Yeah. From the very beginning. And it I wouldn't say that it bothers me, but like it it. I question why people say that she she's making a quote unquote like comeback sure. when they talk about like her being in Hustlers because the reality is this entire time she's been like serving us sure <laughs> uh, from the very beginning. Even in every rom-com that she's in, she's like, she unapologetically like takes on the role. Like she commits. Yeah. She's been in quote so many like technically bad movies where I still find her captivating. I still find her jokes funny. I still find her dramatic moments dramatic and endearing. You know, like she's been in so many flops. Like she was in that movie, like The Backup Plan, <laughs> which is like a fine rom-com, but it's not it a was great not movie. good. <laughs> but she had, like, she gave those characters depth. And yes, granted, like, I don't know what the her process is like in terms of what role she's accepting, what role she's even going out for. Mm-hmm. She might not, you know, be reaching for the hustler role all the time because right. like she has a, she had a Vegas residency. She has kids. She is doing like a ton of she shoes. Work. Yeah. I love her shoes. <laughs> she has a fragrance. <laughs> she's doing a lot of shit. So I don't know if she 
is actively going out for these humongous dramatic roles or if they're even being offered to her. But if they are and they're not being given to her, I don't know the fuck why she's more than capable. <laughs> so you're That's telling me you're telling me that you're telling Hollywood yeah, to yeah. give her these dramatic roles. Yeah, because she can do them. I will say though, I think if JLo had a long career of like dramatic success, right. I don't know if I would have been as impacted by a movie like Hustlers. I guess that's true. Wait, we're talking about Hustlers. Well, we're just talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. her career. Um, Where it started. And at, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I guess we can get into that more when we talk about Hustlers. But I think that she showed her dramatic chops very early in this role of Selena. Yes. Could have gone on to do a lot more roles like that. Didn't. And therefore had a huge impact in Hustlers. That's just, that's just my two cents on it. So I'll talk more about her performance in Hustlers when we actually get to that part of the episode. But back to her performance in Selena, I think one of the other like really big overarching things about the performance is that she was given the task of not only playing an icon, but playing a young woman who had no idea she was going to die. And like the movie doesn't show her death. So I guess there is like an element of ease there because right. it's not like she has to play innocent Selena and then all of a sudden play dying Selena. Mm-hmm. She only plays living, happy Beautiful, Selena vibrant, the yeah. entire time. Mm-hmm. But having the knowledge that your character goes on to be murdered and having scenes with the eventual murderer, I mean... How can she not have that in mind? That's a very difficult thing to do. So, I mean, it, one thing that I will say is throughout the film, you you don't feel that at all. No, um, you and just feel her vibrancy. The I was gonna time. say, like, I I know I know what's gonna happen, like, right? So, like, you <laughs> you put the film on, and you're like, I know what's I know what what the end, like, how this plays out. Yeah, right. Um, it's it's very similar to how like nowadays because we can binge watch everything. We sort of like sure know oh, there's a fourth season, which means that the main character is definitely not going to die in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, But for Selena, the fact that J-Lo sort of tapped into only the vibrancy mm-hmm. and only like the, you know, the zest for life mm-hmm. and <laughs> the happiness yeah. and the naivete, the like the, 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 worldview that selena had which was basically like the world is her oyster and she loves her family and this is her career and she adores it and that sort of thing the fact that she went into it and like you do not feel an ounce yeah like an ounce of the you know impending tragedy Mm -hmm. kind of leads me to like it 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 really solidifies for me like who jayla is as an actor she she's capable of that yeah like she's capable of not giving you an ounce of what the end is supposed to be she just gives you like in the moment she just gives you like present time selena she gives you her current emotions she gives you her current ambitions she gives you her current flaws Mm -hmm. and she does not give you a single ounce of the you know of, of a foreshadowing of an impending tragedy she doesn't yeah and i i think it was also really really smart filmmaking to have the family as involved as they were and to be on set as much as they were and involved in the casting process precisely the way that they were because they're very much the like 
Selena lives on in them in a way. And so having like her life presence there on the set and involved in the process, you know, almost, I hate to say it made it seem like she wasn't gone, but it kind of did in a way I can imagine for an actress playing Selena. Absolutely. Like she felt that presence very much there. So it probably made it easier not to focus on the fact that she would eventually die in the film. And you're watching the movie the whole time going, I know this woman gets murdered. Mm -hmm. When is this going to happen? And it doesn't happen until like the last three minutes of the movie. Yeah. And you don't see it. You see like the aftermath or you see like the sirens and the headlines, but Mm -hmm. you don't actually see it happen. Which I, I fully appreciate. Oh, me too. Especially for this story. And especially uh, how soon it was if i were to be j-lo mm-hmm. playing this role i would really appreciate it as an actress so that people were focusing on my current portrayal of a living person instead of waiting for me to die precisely so i think that probably helped a lot and mm-hmm. was very very smart of gregory nava and everyone involved yeah um i mean fat kudos to him i think that i personally have like the fundamental belief that like i don't want to see it sure like i I don't want to see someone dying on screen. Yeah. I think that it's much more powerful for you to, you know, be a smart storyteller Mm -hmm. and like show it in different ways. I don't necessarily ever think that there needs to be like, you know, the image of a dying Selena on screen in this instance. Right. Especially being so soon after her, after her murder. Mm -hmm. So I just think that for, in you know the to the point that you made it's smart filmmaking when you do not provide the actress like a black hole yeah. <laughs> where all her, her all, all all of like the impending doom mm-hmm. that she's sort of feeling in the background of like well gotta prepare for my for my death <laughs> yeah scene. gotta prepare to get killed uh so you know i i don't know man jlo freaking i know that this is a very this role specifically is I wouldn't say polarizing, but just like a lot of people have very specific, specific opinions. Sure, it's controversial at times. About J-Lo playing this, specifically J-Lo playing this role yeah. because she was Puerto Rican or because she was from New York mm-hmm. or because she didn't do it right or she didn't have the same sort of like vibrancy or spark or what have you. Like there are so many different opinions. I think that for us, we both think that she was perfect for this role. Yeah. And she fucking gave it her all. Oh, yeah. She absolutely fucking nailed it. Like, I think JLo, I think Selena. Yeah. In this film. Not music-wise. <laughs> not music-wise at all. Very different music. I don't know that Selena would ever partner with Pitbull for a top 10 <laughs> hit. I just don't know that that would happen. I don't know if Selena would ever marry one of her backup dancers. I agree. <laughs> uh, I just don't think that it would happen that way. I do think Selena could have married Ben Affleck. That I might have been a fun pairing. That might have been a fun pairing. I do believe that Selena would have had a Vegas residency. Hell yeah. For sure. I just don't know <laughs> that they have the same music. Trajectory. No, they're incredibly different. Absolutely. Incredibly different. But she still, you know, she nailed the role. She nailed it. And that's, you know, nailed that's it. it. That's it for Selena and our opinions on her because there's not really much more to say other than the fact that she was great in the role. She's fucking fantastic. We love yeah. her. We love her. We love her. So now we're going to pivot to... An iconic, another iconic. One of the greatest films to come out of the year 2001. (laughs) 
And I fucking stand by that statement. We stand by it. This is one of your fave rom-coms ever. You mm-hmm. being the listeners and you, Monica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how. <laughs> this is The Wedding Planner. Made in 2001, directed by uh, the one and only Adam Shankman. <laughs> Adam Shankman. <laughs> Written by Pamela Falk and Michael Ellis. <laughs> Mary Fiore. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mary Fiore played by Jennifer Lopez, is an ambitious and successful wedding planner in San Francisco who has the opportunity to plan one of the highest profile weddings of the year. If she succeeds, she'll be made partner, but she unfortunately breaks her number one rule. Don't fall in love with the groom, played by Matthew McConaughey. As her family pressures her to marry an old family friend, Mary is torn between settling for an average life and following her heart. Fuck you. As you can probably guess, she follows her heart. She follows her heart. Because if it didn't end like that, what the fuck kind of movie would it be? It would be a shit fucking movie is what it would be. Exactly. It would be a horrible, horrible Uh, film. It would be a shit Where Matthew McConaughey is unhappy in his marriage and Mary Fiore is married to a weird Italian man. I know. Massimo. Massimo. (laughs) (laughs) The kid who ate mud? (laughs) (laughs) First of all. Yeah. I guess Jennifer Lopez plays a, a good Italian. In Italian? I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Uh, she doesn't look Italian. I don't know. I, but the thing is, I don't know enough about what Italians, what all Italians look like. <laughs> Hashtag not all Italians. <laughs> she might. She's tan. She has dark hair. I guess. Whatever. She plays an Italian. She's a very Italian woman. Very. Uh, she plays a lot of Scrabble in this movie. I was going to say, she is on like the, the Scrabble team of like San Francisco. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and At the community center. She, yeah, but she's on the team with like her father and like her father's friends. Her mother's dead. Yeah, her, her mom. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye, mom. Farewell. <laughs> Mrs. Fiore. Uh, we don't really know a lot about her mother. Bye bye, Miss Italian Pie. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but anyway, so th- this movie, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This movie, it's all about people getting what they deserve, Monica. Absolutely. Mary, Mary JLo gets happiness. Yes. With Matthew McConaughey, which you know is debatable as that's if it's the best decision, I but was gonna it's say. what she wants, precisely, and thus she's getting what she wants. Mm-hmm. Judy Greer gets to be a fancy wedding planner. That's true. Fran, aka real life Pete Sampras, the tennis player's wife. I was gonna say <laughs> gets her freedom and doesn't have to be married to Matthew McConaughey. Fuck being married to Matthew McConaughey. Listen, when I watched this movie when I was a kid, I thought it was very, very romantic. As what when I watch it as an adult, I realize how f- question how like sus his character is. <laughs> He's very sus. <laughs> so okay, so 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 uh, first of all, I want to commend this film. Yeah, because Mary Fiore in this film is very like unapologetic. Mm-hmm. Like she is. This bitch knows she's good at her fucking job. She knows she's good at her job. She knows that she deserves a promotion. Like she knows she deserves to like be be partner with the company, which in the, the in the case of this movie it means like co-owner of the of the company, I'm assuming. Sure. Uh and she knows like she knows what she wants career-wise. Mm-hmm. She does not know what she wants like 
love wise and it is only later on in the film that you learn that she was engaged yeah. and it ended very poorly like exactly. he he cheated on her with her friend or her like bridesmaid it, or something it was like her maid of honor or something like that or like someone who threw her her, her shower. shower yeah yeah and she like tried too hard with the raspberries and the mint and the ice cubes and it was a whole fucking thing <laughs> yeah. it was a whole thing you know like when someone's overcompensating because they feel fucking guilty mm-hmm that's what's up. That's what happened. That's what the they fuck happened. They were making happened. out in her car at the rehearsal dinner. Yeah. In her car. <laughs> That's exactly how she says it. She's like, in my car. In my car. <laughs> <laughs> when she's like drunk. Uh, anyway, I love that in this film, J-Lo, or Mary in this case, she totally knows what the fuck she wants. Mm-hmm. And I think that in all other aspects of her life, because she's so... I guess what I'm trying to say is it it sort of bothers me as an adult because watching this as as a child, as a tween, I was like, <laughs> fuck yes, sign me the fuck up. I want to be a wedding planner. I want to <laughs> marry a man who was one of the grooms of one of the weddings mm-hmm. that I planned. How romantic. How romantic. I look now and I'm like, why is it that her life sucks ass? Yeah. Because she doesn't have a husband. <laughs> the, one, the one thing that I... That- gets on like why does her life have to suck a major booty hole like because this bitch cannot find a man like she's so type a and i get it i get that's like her persona but if she's as like she comes home and like starts vacuuming all of like her baseboards and shit I know. and like board folds all her sweaters the, however the one thing she is not type a about is fucking cooking herself a meal i know she eats tv dinners and watches antique fucking road show or whatever the hell it's called <laughs> the one thing she's not like anal about is actually like feeding herself that feels very out of character i have a bird in my fridge right now he's brining <laughs> <laughs> if monica can do it so can <laughs> so mary can fiore mary fucking fiore i think Okay, back to sort of her like type A personality. I yeah, find yeah. it very funny mm-hmm. that she like claims to not have time to cook, <laughs> yet she's like always out and about being able to meet Matthew McConaughey's character and in playing sketchy Scrabble. places and then playing Scrabble. I'm so confused. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to go sit in a tree and watch this movie, but I will eat a hungry man dinner when I get home. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, back to the booty hole sucking. I just don't understand why her life sucks booty hole. Uh-huh. Because she just doesn't have a man. I I guess I thought it was fucking romantic as shit when I was a child. I do not think that it is romantic now. Well, you're supposed to think that that is the only missing puzzle piece. Right. And the the I guess, only missing Scrabble tile. Right. And I guess that that's what I'm saying is um, sort of like tying it back to the film. Mm-hmm. You learn later on that like her parents did not marry for love. They, yeah, they, they had an arranged marriage. They fucking hated each other. They, they were in love with other people. Blah, blah, blah. Well, yada, yada, yada. And then... She like, how does that not want her to pursue love even more? Yeah. Well, I think it it almost like lets her off the hook. It tells her like, oh, I don't have to keep waiting around for this to happen. I can make this happen and maybe eventually it will turn into love. So I don't actually have to work for it and worry about being hurt in the process. Which is why she ends up saying yes to marrying Massimo, who builds her a fucking Barbie dream house. Yeah. 
And that's supposed to be romance. Massimo and his fucking Vespa. <laughs> Massimo. First of all, I just want to let everyone know. Massimo in this film is played by the guy who plays Alex Karev in Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> he is. He has this thick Italian accent. He Mary, is like. Mary Fiore. Mary Fiore. It's a me. A Massimo. <laughs> we get married. We get married. I. You say yes. I feel about you the way that you feel about him. And yes, marry me anyway. I like being second choice yes Mary Fiore <laughs> what the fuck how does Massimo the hunk not have the fucking self-respect to not let himself get pushed around by this bitch <laughs> like because I that's understand. how they do it in Italy is what we're supposed to think right but the like the creepy endless pursuit of Massimo is insane uh, yeah if someone did that to me like in this day and age I don't know what I would do <laughs> well and the thing is is like it would have been the movie could have been the same right if so you know she goes they go to wine country her fran the 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 bride her fran fran <laughs> fran p sampras's wife <laughs> her fran and dr steve or dr what is his name steve edison steve, That's steve edison name. who her okay <laughs> Please hold your thumb because this is very important to distinguish. Okay. Fran calls him Eddie. Yes. Because his last name is Edison. Edison. Yes, yes, yes. Which is how this whole mix up happens. Mm -hmm. So Mary Fiore is like the, you know, the, the, the planner for Fran Uh and quote unquote Eddie, whose alias is Dr. Steve, Uh who works at a pediatric hospital. The reason why Mary doesn't make the connection initially is because this bitch Fran calls him Eddie. Mm -hmm. Why? (laughs) Well, the thing is, is like them calling him different names shouldn't even shouldn't even be a problem. Who gives a fuck if he has a nickname? He still leads her on the whole time, which is the problem. And then when she brings issue with it, he follows it up. He literally tells her that she's bitter and cynical, which I've never like taken note of until mm-hmm. this last time that i watched it he's like you're a bitter and cynical you're woman Mary. And, cynical. and i'm like of course she is you led her on and you lied to her here's the thing dr steve <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker literally has the audacity to when like she's like you let me on mm-hmm. he's like she doesn't actually say like you let me on she no, says no, a bunch no. of other stuff that basically sums up to be you let me on yeah he goes well, I like movies. Steve likes movies. Steve goes to the park. He thinks, I, I meet new people. They're going to go watch a movie. I'm, I like movies. I'm going to go watch a movie. As if that makes any sense. You asked me to go to the movie. Steve likes movies. <laughs> like, what the f- what kind of caveman bullshit is this? No, none of his logic in this entire movie makes sense. From the meat cute, which makes no sense, to the fucking Eminem line, which makes no fucking sense. So the meat cute <laughs> is literally this fucker, Dr. Steve, is in... So, San Francisco has hills. Lots of hills. Very, Lots very steep. of hills. San Francisco has dumpsters. Lots of dumpsters. <laughs> Sometimes San Franciscoans, San, Fr- San Francisco San sites, San Franciscans <laughs> will sometimes leave dumpsters at the tops of hills <laughs> so that they roll down whenever they get hit by something, such as a moving car. 
Okay, but it's not just a moving car. It's no, a no. fucking cab driver. It's a cabbie. Eating an ice cream cone. It's a cabbie eating an ice cream cone. Who, I didn't notice that the cabbie shows up again. Oh, yeah, later. Yeah, later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fuck that guy. But he drops his fucking ice cream in the car. And so he just, like, takes his eyes off the road to scoop up the ice cream. And in the process, hits a fucking dumpster, sending it down the hill. Mary Fiore has her new Gucci shoe stuck in a manhole cover. A manhole. My new Gucci shoe. No, not my shoe. And Dr. Steve is, like, standing by watching this happen. And then at the last moment when she's going back for her shoe, he swoops her out of the way and knocks her to the ground. And she somehow passes out from that. No, this is what happens. So she hits her head on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, like he's like on top of her. He, she can't breathe, and he <laughs> yeah. doesn't get off of her. Yeah, she's like, you're cutting off my air supply. Yeah. So he goes like, so he goes like, how's the breathing? Like, how does it? He goes, she goes, not great. And he's like, okay, okay. And he's like stroking her hair while still being on top of her frail body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then because he's a fucking doctor at a hospital, but he's a children's doctor, he takes her to the hospital, but admits her to his own children's ward instead of she that simply wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. She would be admitted to a normal hospital bed like a normal fucking and then taken on by a fucking attending who didn't crush her her ribs. Like, what the fuck? It's the most insane fucking thing in the whole world. And then they go to the movies together. Wait, no. The most insane thing about the me cute was oh, the yeah, fact yeah. that she told him that he smelled <laughs> like sweet red plums and grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> J-Lo should have made an inside joke when she made her fragrance and made it smell like Dr. Steve. <laughs> Dr. Steve by Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> And like oh the little god. and like the little companion size is called an Eddie. Oh my god, <laughs> that's the travel size. I know. Uh, anyway, continue. <laughs> but okay, so then they go to the fucking movies together, mm-hmm. and this bitch is eating M and M's. M and M's, and he's throwing all of the M and M's on the ground. He's not offering the them to her. Ones. He's not saving them. He's just fucking throwing them in the grass like an asshole for dogs to come and eat later. And ingest the chocolate and get sick from or die. Who knows how many dogs Steve Edison has killed? <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that something that we're looking into? I'm just talking about the possibilities and how rude it is. Peta! Peta, come! <laughs> so he throws all the M&Ms on the ground, but he eats the brown ones. And she goes, why are you only eating the brown ones? And he says, well, the way I see it. The way I see it. I figure they have less artificial coloring because chocolate is already brown. Bitch, that's a sugar fucking coating. There's a sugar coating that they colored brown. You absolute (laughs) fucking idiot. Eat a chocolate bar. You didn't even go to medical school. Get a chocolate bar. (laughs) You fucker. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, I just... There's a lot of problems with this movie, but they're so problematic that they're hilarious. Yes. Which makes it, <laughs> which makes it so, so good. good. However, Monica, I do think we should touch on JLo's actual performance in the movie <laughs> now that we've made it through <laughs> in all, the, all of the points of insanity here. 
I'm sorry. The last point of insanity is the fact that they spent probably a million dollars on this fucking wedding. Oh my God. And this so bitch Fran doesn't want to marry him. <laughs> he doesn't want to marry her. He gives her the out. He's like, do you really want to marry me? And she's like, you're not doing this to me right now, fucking Steve. And he's like, if you want to do it, I'll get up there and do it with you. We'll do this thing. But if you don't get out now, I was like, how rude. You literally just said you don't want to, but you're like, but I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. For you. I'll fucking vow to be with you forever. For you. For you. <laughs> and she like gets in the cab and is like, bye, Steve. Bye. Where does she go? Tahiti, remember? For, on their honeymoon. Yeah, but like in her wedding dress, there's no, no bags in the cab. No, they, she obviously stops at her apartment to grab her bag. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Those are in this movie. Those are all of the movies in discretion, <laughs> which you needed to know about in order for you to appreciate the bullshit, the headassery <laughs> that JLo has to go through in order to achieve a brilliant performance in an yeah. otherwise insane film. <laughs> because while this podcast is a vehicle for us to discuss performances, it's also just a vehicle for us to scream about scream m- movies. <laughs> okay but j-lo in this movie she goes from something like selena like something something like out of sight which is another movie we could have talked about but we did not yeah that's true (laughs) she goes from these movies she was praised for and she does this which is fine we all loved it i love j-lo in a rom-com and i think off the first bat people would be like she's settling she like stepped she took like a step down like this is like discount j-lo what i say to this is that j-lo is a chameleon and that i will believe j-lo in anything especially because people of color in general actors get typecast so often as certain types of roles oh absolutely j-lo is a woman of color who has played so many different kinds of roles is believable in all of them and all always does them. an impeccable job. So I find that incredibly impressive that she like that she pushed back against what could have easily been thrust upon her. You mean in made in Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the rom-com <laughs> made in Manhattan? Where she played a maid? <laughs> yeah that's exactly what i mean Uh, we're also by the way not laughing at the fact that she played a maid we're laughing at the fact that like we're talking about her pushing against being typecast and then being cast as a maid well i mean but that's just like one that's one of which is one one it's one of many roles many it's not her only type of role she was in enough where she played a uh 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 survivor of domestic violence you know i whenever i that's actually like one of the earliest JLo movies I think I ever saw. Me too. I saw it on like Lifetime or some shit like that. That movie of stuck with me. <laughs> that movie stuck with me. I it also got me to watch the one with Julia Roberts. Which one? The uh uh Is uh, there another movie where she's a survivor of domestic abuse? It's not called Sleeping with the Enemy, but it's called something else that's very similar. Mm, I don't know. We'll fact check that later. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'll have something to apologize for in the next episode. Maybe. <laughs> But yeah, so like she didn't just get 
you know, again, she didn't get pigeonholed into roles that traditionally go to Latina women. Exactly. Latina women. I feel like that's redundant, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she, she morphs into all of these roles and, you know, she's dramatic, but she's also like light and comical. Absolutely. She, the thing that I love about her in this film, Jessica, mm -hmm. just to like, because you're making a chef's kiss point. Thank you. A, a true <laughs> point. Thank you. Yes, you are absolutely correct. She's a fucking chameleon. Yeah. She has the capability of playing a fucking ingenue. Yeah. Like, who who can who else can say that? Sure. I can't think of a, I can't think of a lot of other, you know, and this is really unfortunate and sad and kind of maddening. I cannot think of a lot of other POC women or mm -hmm. BIPOC women who can play ingenues or who have been allowed yeah, to, who've been to, allowed to play, to play ingenues. And I think that by her doing this, like she's in a lot, like not just a few, a lot of my favorite rom-coms mm -hmm. from this era, which by the way, the rom-com is not dead. No, it will come back. <laughs> just fucking wait. <laughs> Just wait for it. We're going through a phase of a different kind of rom-com. I like to call it the Netflix rom-com. Because that's exactly what that's it is. what it is. We'll get through this together. The <laughs> fucking point is yeah. that J-Lo has been in a lot of these rom-coms. Mm -hmm. And she, just like in this one, just like in The Wedding Planner, she is capable of doing anything. Mm -hmm. And specifically in this film, playing like the type A bad like truly badass like yeah, who yeah. else can say like at her age having such a fruitful career yeah and, and being, a diverse career and a diverse career like she she gets to do whatever she wants whenever she wants as like the head wedding planner of this company she says at the very beginning of the film when she's like demanding like literally demanding because she deserves it yeah this partnership where she's like i bring in more revenue than all the other girls here combined like combined times five times five like she goes like <laughs> times five like, and then kathy najimi is just like oh. stunned she's like oh you're right i need to give you this partnership like i just i i love that because of all of the flaws in this film mm -hmm. the one thing that rings true to yeah. today is that j-lo is like a literal force she is able to do anything and she can demand anything and you believe her yeah and you believe her it's very hard for you to believe in ingenue sure from that era like that era rom-coms to to look at look at her boss and be like i deserve this give it to me yeah it's very hard because a lot of these women are put in very like weird backwards vulnerable positions yeah, yeah where you're yeah. like ah yes the meek shall fall <laughs> like well and then you believe her and then you also do not find her to be cheapened in any way when she does become vulnerable later precisely where she does like cry about her ex which some people might find to be overplayed i find it just to be real oh absolutely. it's a real fucking thing your boyfriend your fiance whoever cheats on you it impacts you i think it, this is like six years after it happened it i don't it care if matter. you have found true love and then married later you never forget how you felt when that happened to you she happens to be very much still affected by it but the fact that that emotional moment doesn't cheapen her power in other elements of her character is it's, incre it's, it's impressive it's incredible. yeah it's truly impressive i she got sloppy drunk and I didn't even question the fact that she didn't vacuum when she got home. No. <laughs> like, I believed it. Um, I think that people, 
because of the sort of like because of our nation's divide on rom-coms <laughs> yes. this civil war that we currently have going on about rom-coms i think that a lot of people don't look at the, like look look at movies like this and think you know the performances you know are something to look at most people look at movies like this and they go I won't even bother or I, you know, that's not really my, my vibe. I, I won't watch that. But I encourage you to sort of like go back and watch rom-coms that you would have otherwise like never looked at again. For example, perf- like performances that, that really are striking when you take apart the pieces of the movie and you just focus on the performances. They're amazing. Yeah. You know, if you look at like, you know, how to lose a guy in 10 days, Kate Hudson is like, a revelation she's in that. incredible she's in incredible <laughs> i think in that film she sort of develops that like that older kate hudson sort of like yeah, um yeah. dryness yeah and like playfulness if you will like i i i just i implore the listener to go back and watch that what that one rom-com mm-hmm. <laughs> that you've been avoiding this whole time watch it yeah because someone like j-lo for example who is the who is the chameleon who can do anything will add a little bit of a a little bit of chili flakes to your fucking rom-com and make you want to sit through the whole fucking thing. Yeah, and also remember that if at the if at most all a movie makes you feel is that you enjoyed it and you had a good time, that there is still like an incredible amount of value in that as well. Precisely. It doesn't have to fucking move you to be important. This moved me. Massimo building the fucking Barbie house really got me. And the fact that the fucking ring was on the second floor and it was in the family room. Like, I know. I can't get over that. Yeah, go watch The Wedding Planner. It's a good time. Go watch The Fucking Wedding Planner. If not just to see Matthew McConaughey's fucking hair and how they let that happen. Oh my God, he's so tan but so blonde. I'm so confused. (laughs) Where is he from? I don't know. We don't know. Like, I just go watch the fucking movie. Okay? Go fucking watch it. So now we move. We move on to what a lot of people think is J-Lo's piece de resistance. Oui. Oui, oui. I mean, I would agree that it's her piece de resistance. I don't think it's necessarily a quote unquote comeback. She was never gone. Yeah, I was going to say. She didn't come back from anywhere. She just did a movie that got more attention than the other movies. Exactly, you fuckers. (laughs) She was in What to Expect When You're Fucking Expecting. Yeah. (laughs) And she... Liked dolphins in she that was movie. In that movie with uh, Milo Ventimiglia. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it was called, but but I'm sure we'll figure it the <laughs> fuck out and rewatch it. Exactly, Hustlers, 2019, the year of our Lord, 2019, the mm-hmm. year before it all happened, <laughs> the before times, the before times, before Armageddon. Written and directed by Lorene Scafaria, based off of the NY Magazine article by Jessica Pressler. Hustlers follows strippers Ramona, played by Jennifer Lopez, and Destiny, played by Constance Wu in a bad wig, as they plan a scheme to turn the tables on their Wall Street clients and get the money they deserve. There's a price to pay, though, as their plan unravels and their relationships and loyalties are tested. 
no hate to Constance Wu. I love her. Jessica feels indifferent about her. I feel indifferent to Constance Wu. I have a lot of feelings about the struggle she goes through in this movie. Primarily the fact that like anytime you see her in the strip club at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> she's just like moping around looking sad and then going home complaining that she didn't get any customers. And I was like, I'm sorry, but men don't go into the strip club to get a lap dance by a sad girl. That's just like not... <laughs> That's not how I it feel happens. like some of them do. <laughs> Is okay, that well, not a thing? I don't know. I, listen, I just, that's not what speaks to me. <laughs> when Jessica goes to the strip club, she's looking for perky women. I'm, I feel like a lot of men are. I, they don't want to see a girl who looks pissed to be there. <laughs> That's just my. That's just my feeling I feel like, on the no, matter. No, wait. That's like a whole different genre, though. Angry stripping. I guess so. Oh, fuck this economy, twirl. Well, then maybe she's just, maybe she's just mad that like the men with that fetish aren't there that night. Right. Maybe <laughs> she should look at like different strip clubs. Anyway, yeah. the point of this entire film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the point, but the star. <laughs> the star of this entire film is jennifer fucking lopez i know that constance yeah. Wu technically plays the main character yeah i to me this movie isn't about i was her. gonna say that to, to me this movie is sort of about the rise and fall of jennifer Lo- jennifer lopez's character ramona mm-hmm. uh because she is sort of like this titan right at the beginning of the film she is the one who takes constance Wu under her wing literally shown in a shot Mm-hmm. On the fucking roof mm-hmm. where this bitch has a fur ass fur coat. A and huge she, fur coat. She's wearing a thong that goes up her fucking butt, but this bitch is warm. Why? Because of a $12,000 fucking fur coat. And this bitch goes, come sit here. For uh, for the listeners out there, because this is an audio medium, Monica just held her arm open like she's like opening. <laughs> like she's opening her big furry wing. <laughs> welcoming someone in she's like a mama bear in that scene she's just like come on baby come get warm like like she's just bringing destiny constance Wu, into her life and she's just like i will make everything better for you exactly which she does for she a does time. so yes i was gonna say for a time <laughs> i think that in this first of all this film is so good it's really it's really good it's so it's fun. Beautiful. It is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It treats stripping like ballet. Also, if you just like really love icy lip gloss, fucking watch this movie. This is the movie for 2007. You. <laughs> <laughs> Was the best year ever. <laughs> Usher's in this Usher, movie. Usher, baby. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> I wanna make love in this club. Ooh. In his club, ooh, in his club. <laughs> fuck me up. This movie is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, beautifully shot. Even more beautifully written, written yeah. and directed by the same woman, by the way, who I just think is absolutely phenomenal. And I just think this film in particular, like again, going back to sort of like it treats stripping like a ballet, it, like yes. like a dance. Like I mean, it is a dance, but in the sense of like holding it to a higher standard than other people view it as. Yeah, like they literally do a very smart thing that I didn't even notice until like the fourth time I watched it where they play like classical piano music underneath all the stripping. Exactly, bitch. It's fucking beautiful. It's gorgeous. They play classical music in the scene where J-Lo is uh, 
sort of is about to teach Constance Wu mm-hmm. how to do certain things. They play this like beautiful, I'm not going to call it a sonata because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I would have to call <laughs> classical Kyle for that shit. But like <laughs> they're playing these like gorgeous, like beautiful under like classical underscores. And I just think like, to me, it sort of like captivates me. Mm-hmm. But when they show JLo doing her like initial strip, yeah. her initial dance, mm-hmm. it's like this like... <laughs> I forget, I forget what song what it song. is because the apparently the director like very specifically required this that song. song. Yeah, hold, hold. Um, the okay, so the song that J Lo strips to in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, that Ramona strips to when you meet her, when you meet her, like the big reveal. She's wearing a totally like ref- all reflective, yeah, sparkly. Super uh, silver like jacket mm-hmm. like a trench and then she's wearing like a hat like, like a like a, like a biker cap. hat like a moto cap yeah yeah, some, yeah something yeah. like that um and then she like takes it all off to reveal like this dental floss mm-hmm. <laughs> like, i'm so confused we're about like she got that one out. wrong move away from like full puss action yeah yeah precisely <laughs> <In this movie>. <laughs> <laughs> um and so right so but then the song that's playing in the background um is not classical music it's actually criminal by fiona apple yeah yeah uh which apparently was intentionally chosen by the director because it's it's also a badass song if it's you haven't heard song. it or if like been a bad, you don't remember it bad girl. <laughs> but like she doesn't even fucking speak in that and already you're like oh this is a powerful she's fucking a bitch. bad bitch bad ass bitch when she oh my god the best part is when she does the splits in the air and she slams those huge heels on the ground and the crowd goes wild Oh, God. And I like to think that Ramona chose that song. I like to as well. It's like a slow, sultry, older song. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Versus like, probably like, I guess whatever the equivalent of trap music was in 2007. <laughs> I mean, when did the song come out? Probably 2006. <laughs> well, then it wouldn't be an older song now, would it? I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, it actually came out in 1996. It's 10 years old then. Well, fuck yeah, then. She's. <laughs> She's like a, an older brandy. She's like, this is what came out when I first became a stripper. <laughs> and I'm bringing it back. <laughs> it's back with a vengeance. I'm bringing it back. Jennifer Lopez's command of this role is super inspiring. Yes. Simply because she sort of gives herself in to the character of Ramona. This like super sus, <laughs> like, but well-meaning. Yeah. And super well-intentioned. I think this is a very classic example or like a very good example of someone who has very good intentions, which is to provide, to protect, Mm -hmm. to grow her wealth, like that sort of thing, uh, whose impact is so shitty, like beyond shitty. Yeah. Her impact on the lives of these women is not great and her intentions are in the right place. Like they're very good. They're like, I want to be able to provide for my daughter. My, my one daughter, I want to be able to buy whatever I want, mm-hmm. whenever I want. I want to be able to buy my friends gifts on Christmas and make ourselves a little family. I want to be able to, you know, make sure that I'm there for the other strippers, like my, my fellow girlfriends. Like, I want to, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, her intentions are so good. 
And the impact is questionable. Yeah. You find out everything you need to know about Ramona as a person within that dance and her first line. Her first fucking line in the entire movie is, doesn't money make you horny? (laughs) She dances and then says that. And then you go, oh, okay. So that's what this person is about. That's her MO. Quite literally all about hustling. She truly does not give a shit about anything except money mm-hmm. and family. But she that's has also, it. she's hustled her entire life. Mm-hmm. And so that's all she knows. So you don't even fault her that much for it for like 75% of the movie right. until things go like severely downhill. Very right. And that is the point where I think Monica and I disagree with some of the messaging in the movie. Precisely. Because like, so for those of you who haven't seen it, they start drugging men, not just like their normal clients who are shitty to them or like the clients who have assaulted them. Like well, like criminals. They start drugging essentially like what they believe to mm-hmm. be criminals. Yes. So like well, but like but like white white collar crime, as yeah, they yeah. call it. Like stock, you know, stock fraud, um, embezzlement, yeah. uh, money laundering, like white like the crime you can only commit if you're like a white man in America. But it's also like not things that they confirm. They just like figure out who's rich and then go based off of that. So they don't go like, okay, well, this guy was really fucking awful to me the other night at the club. So next time we're going to drug him and rob him of his money. It is only what they tell themselves to justify Mm -hmm. the drugging. That's the only thing is they go, well, they're already committing crimes they they are already assholes yeah they're already the guys who rule our nation they are the their whole thing is they caused the 2008 recession yeah this is our way of getting our piece of the pie that they and and they took the whole pie Mm -hmm. that's their that is their reasoning in this film yeah and then julia stiles who plays the reporter that is interviewing ramona and constance Wu in present day who they flash back between present day 14 yeah i think yeah and 2006 to 2008 um so she tells constance Wu's character that she doesn't feel bad for those men that she doesn't think that they did really that much wrong and that's where i go well (laughs) (laughs) well i do not think that one crime justifies another crime that's not how my mind works and i think that There's a lot of rhetoric in this movie that's just like, men are bad. Rich men, terrible. And I don't think that, like, it's fair to let the argument stop there. Because that doesn't mean that you should then drug them and rob them. Absolutely not. Steal their identity and take everything that they have. Right, absolutely not. First of all, just to let everyone know, it is not don't do it it is not <laughs> we do not in any way endorse the drugging of anyone no and, no and the robbery of anyone no <laughs> just don't do it no i think it would be a very different movie of like let's say because there's that one guy who like not who forces like, but like tells constance Wu to give him a blowjob and then he doesn't pay her 300 dollars. he pays her 60 bucks yep it would be one thing if the whole movie was about drugging and robbing those guys yeah but it's not those guys (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. some of those guys plus a lot of randos that they meet at bars Mm -hmm. and so like that's where the line gets like blurry super blurry um i think in general Mm -hmm. the 
the messaging the messaging of the film kind of goes all over the place the number one thing that i take away from this film is the the vulnerable sex worker trying to protect themselves yeah in this world period right so like that's the messaging i get i get the the trying to destigmatize the role of the sex worker in this world and trying to give them more autonomy and trying to tell a story through their lens versus uh you know another an, another profession another role another something doing something similar yeah right so in my mind i'm seeing a band of strippers that's what they end up being by the way is they like become like a <laughs> yeah. gang yeah a gang um, of strippers a gang of strippers i see a band of strippers who are all young women except for ramona <laughs> but like you know no shade there no i see a band of strippers a band of young vulnerable women who are simply just trying to get through life mm-hmm. and this is the only thing that they can do that they find they have enough skill yeah and they have enough know-how to do yeah and when you start to bring in dangerous situations such as you know going back to that scene where Constance Wu is coming back from being off stripping for a while yeah and then coming back to finding Russian is like like Russian models basically coming in and like infiltrating their strip club and like offering sex and offering blowjobs when like that's not her comfort level Mm -hmm. uh sort of like taking away that autonomy taking away that agency that you have and like being in a really difficult position of like i need to provide for my family and everyone else is doing this yeah i guess for 300 dollars i can do this too now the where i get very iffy about is sort of the the situation where the people with le- like the more oppressed people mm-hmm. the people with the least amount of autonomy the people with the least amount of agency yeah reclaiming some of that agency i don't see a problem with that sure i don't see a problem with people who are constantly degraded who are never respected who are oppressed mm-hmm. most of them most of them are bipoc Except for Lily Reinhardt, who's randomly in this film. I just want to let you guys know. And she has a throwing up problem, which is just bizarre. She plays Abigail, who constantly vomits. Um, But women who are not in, not, they're not top dog. Like they're, Mm. and and I wouldn't even consider them underdogs. Sure. No one's rooting for them. No. Essentially. I don't see the issue with them trying to reclaim some of that autonomy. No. And I don't see an issue with them trying their hardest to put themselves in a better situation and protecting themselves by doing so. The only way that they can get these men to give them money without giving them sex is by drugging them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you should drug anyone, but I do I do know the motivations behind what they're doing. I think that when it goes too far, that's where it really crosses the line for me. Yeah, no, I was definitely on board for like a period of time when you could see the whole film as like more of a cautionary tale. Precisely. Of like, you need to honor these women's career choices. You need to pay them more. You need to respect them so that it doesn't reach this point. Precisely. I'm on board until there but then when they start like stealing people's identities and draining entire bank accounts of people who are like 
I have a family. Like, what are you doing? Right. there. It stops when the greed runs mm-hmm. deeper exactly. than, than the intent. Yeah. It stops when the greed runs deeper than the need to provide. Yeah. Right. So, like, that's where it stops for me. So, like, I have a very specific moral compass wherein, like, if you need to steal in order to feed your family, like, if you need to do something like that in, in order to provide for your family so that your child doesn't starve so that you don't starve, that is the fault of the system. That is sure. not your fault. Yeah. If you need to rob, like rob a loaf of bread, Aladdin style, <laughs> and like take it and like take an apple and use it mm-hmm. to feed another starving person and yourself, I don't see that as your fault. I see that as the only thing that you could possibly do in order to survive. I yeah. see that as the government or the system or what have you failing you. Mm-hmm. And I see this film as being a very loud megaphone for that like pay these women these people yeah more yeah pay these people more give them benefits Mm -hmm. give them a fighting chance in society so that they don't have to do what they feel like they need to do and when you and when you give the argument of like well why can't they get a real job why do you get to decide what a real job is? Sure. And also, not only that, but like they don't get paid. You don't get paid enough in the food industry either. Yeah. Right? You don't get paid enough in the food service and in, in the laundromat industry in, in retail. Like in what they retail. That's what their backup job. Right. Was they the go movie. to the gap. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Old Navy, actually. <laughs> oh, it's Old Navy. Yeah. I think it's, I thought this whole time I thought it was a fucking gap. I mean, it might be. I think they're owned by the same company. They, they Everyone owns everyone, darling. Um. <laughs> But does that make sense? Like I, no, it makes total sense. That's where I see the film really like being directed towards not sex workers, not strippers, like not being mm-hmm. directed towards that crowd, but being directed towards like the 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 affluent policymakers that go see this movie <laughs> and think to themselves, maybe we should like give strippers and sex workers and like women like. Maybe we should like give them more money. Yeah. And like health insurance, bro. Like maybe we should. <laughs> no, totally. I agree with you. Yeah. But in the sense of like Jennifer Lopez's character sort of like tying into all of this, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez gives a very double sided performance. Sure. Because she plays the mama bear and then she plays the like cutthroat bitch yeah. who will literally murder you if you don't give her what she wants. Yeah. And I find that to be so jarring Mm -hmm. when I see it happen, while at the same time being very fluid for her on screen. Yeah. Uh, And I believe it. I believe that she's two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. 100%. I agree with you. Absolutely. I think that... um kind of what we were like touching on earlier when we were discussing Hustlers briefly in Selena, in the section about Selena, is that like, I think I bought JLo so much in this role because of her path, because of where she's come from. I think a lot of her film work reflects kind of this hustle that we see in this movie, in the character of Ramona specifically. And I, like I was saying before, I don't know if her performance would have been quite as impactful if she had had a different career because I bought her so fully as this character. And that's not to say that if she had a different career, she wouldn't have been equally as good. Precisely. I'm just saying that it really like, sm- like smacked me in the face. It really smacked that <laughs> all on the floor. <laughs> smacked that. Give me some more. 
Precisely. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. Jay, sort of just to, to tie in, because unfor- unfortunately for you, Jessica, you can't yeah, talk yeah. about Jay's performance in this film without talking about how she bounces off of Constance Wu. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is in a bad wig. If that's not a the wig. Whole time. No, I'm, it's one, I it's truly apologize, but I just <laughs> I find it hard to believe that they would do Constance Wu. So it was 2007. Now that I think about it, and people's hair was not great then. No, like I do give it that, but I'm like, could you have made it look ever so slightly better? They make everyone in that movie look it's amazing. So That's so true, except for Constance fucking Wu, and she's a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Everyone looks great. Lizzo looks great. Cardi B looks great. For the three seconds in the film. Every person in the background looks phenomenal. Trace Lizette, when you see her for like 30 seconds, looks incredible. Probably not how she looked in fucking 2006. Everyone probably had different hair, different No makeup, eyebrows. And yet they all look like, ooh, 2019 glamour, except for Constance fucking Wu, who looks like shit. <laughs> um. Anyway, so them sort of playing off of each other. J-Lo... I think plays very well off of Constance Wu in that Constance Wu is like, well, destiny in this film is so like, she's trying to hold on to anything like literally anything. She has no real purpose other than to get by other than to provide for her grandmother other than to live. Right. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have anyone, at least in the beginning, because at the sort of like in the middle of the film, when like everything sort of shifts and the recession has already happened and they've already had jobs, she has a child. And of course, she needs to provide for the child. Sure. But in the beginning, she has like sort of nothing. Right. And she's like this blob floating through space and time and like Mm -hmm. not really finding the like she doesn't have any friends really she's Mm -mm. like she's new to the she's new to the strip club she's been doing this for only a little while she doesn't know how to do it very well and she's not getting paid she's not getting paid very much like everyone's taking money from her precisely so like i think something that people have to understand is she's not in a good position whatsoever like she yes she's beautiful Mm -hmm. and yes she has ramona as a friend and she eventually like has fucking kiki palmer and like lily reinhardt as friends and like (laughs) kiki palmer kiki palmer is amazing she's fucking hilarious she she makes a southern accent oh my god it's so (laughs) fucking good and when she like runs in like her fucking i think she's in like a bikini or something yeah yeah. she like runs away from the hospital because she's she's scared when they drug that guy named Gary and she's like we love you Gary (laughs) we love you Gary come back to us Gary (laughs) oh so good but um anyway so like Constance Wu in comparison to the other girls doesn't have a real purpose for being there Mm -hmm. other than this is in and I I believe her mind the easiest way for her to make money yeah as quickly as possible well and her reason kind of becomes Ramona in a way and that and that's sort of what I was getting at is like when the movie sort of shifts, her reason for being there gets split into two. One, she goes back to something familiar and that she knows will make her some money mm-hmm. and, you know, for, to provide her for her daughter and yada, yada, yada. And two, Ramona was like the reason. Yeah. Right? Ramona was the reason she wanted to learn more and be better and make more money. And, and she she looked up to Ramona as being this, like, kind of like got like untouchable queen yeah well it's like it becomes her mom yeah 
and her mom left her when she was a kid. And so now she, it's not that she can't leave Ramona. It's she doesn't want to. Precisely. So I think in a sense, like JLo gives me the sense that she knows that. Yeah. And it, I love the fact that I don't know, like to, like I've rewatched this movie like fucking five times since it's mm-hmm. come out for this podcast and just for pleasure. <laughs> I don't know if she takes advantage of that or not. I think it goes both ways. I think that because of her whole life and because she's so used to having to do this, there is an element of taking advantage, but also it's all that she knows. Mm-hmm. But also there's that part right at the very end where they reveal Julius, the content of like Julia Stiles's interview with Ramona. Because right. until then you just hear it referenced. You don't actually see it. And then the last scene is you see her interview with her and she has a picture of like a childhood Destiny. picture of Destiny in mm-hmm. her wallet. And she's like, isn't she cute? And is she, Julia Stiles says that like she asked about her and asked like if she like if she was doing well or something Mm -hmm. like that. I don't think she thinks she did anything that wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that's the more questionable part. I don't think there's any question that she still cares about destiny, but I do think she expects destiny to just understand that like, that's just what this is about. Right. What this business is about. I'm sorry. It escalated to this point, but that's what it is. I don't, for her, her, she's able to compartmentalize her feelings about destiny and also what she dragged destiny into. Right. So. No, definitely. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Thank you. I, I find the movie very touching and, and um kind of beautiful at the end. Like you said, mm-hmm. when she pulls out the photo, because she explains that like in her wallet is where she keeps everything that's like the most valuable to her. Yeah. You know, some of it's jewelry, some of it's like random crap. And then there's this like picture of destiny and it i just find it very touching that like after all these years someone has made such an influence in your life yeah and even though that impact may or may not have been for the best sure right because if you think about it if they had never crossed paths they would have never been in this in this kind of trouble ever because one you know one fueled the other and vice versa or she might have been in that because she was doing the drugging before destiny came back Mm -hmm. so it might have just happened but with someone else precisely and it might not have been so emotionally impactful because Mm -hmm. it wasn't happening with someone she cared as deeply about right but i think that like you know it's very difficult in in sort of in destiny's case it's very Mm -hmm. difficult to find friends as an adult and to find like family as an adult and to figure out who that quote-unquote friend group is i think friend groups are a lot more common in 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 school right when you're growing up and you have like you know your your neighborhood friend group and then you have you know family friends like old family friends and like that's another friend group and then you have school friend group and you think we're gonna be friends forever yeah and you get to be an adult and you realize like that's not the case people grow apart people grow older yeah people have families people Mm -hmm. get married like they have different priorities in this life and i think that as much as this film is a story about strippers drugging people and like (laughs) making sure that whoever's watching this film understands that sex workers need Mm -hmm. more need to get paid more they need more benefits and they need more protections i think as much as as it is a movie about that it's a movie about friendship right it's a movie about sisterhood it's a movie about finding friends and family as an older person if you took all of the stripping elements out of it it's still a good movie. It's still a good story. It's still a relatable story. It's still a story about Constance Wu, Destiny, 
feeling like a floating blob in space yeah and trying to stick to whatever person will give her any ounce of comfort and joy agreed uh and i think like as an adult watching this film it makes me really emotional because i think like i have found such incredible friends in my adulthood and Mm -hmm. i think i would have never thought in my life that i would get out of like you know elementary schools middle school high school like when those friendships ended i was like devastated because it was sure. like well i think every adult has like the, the like year of existential dread where they're like everything's changing and like <laughs> yeah. all my friends are gone like oh ooh. yeah like i i find this movie to be so relatable on that fundamental level of just mm-hmm. like i'm an adult i'm a floating blob in space where do i stick to and i think ramona giving destiny that sense of family that sense of like friendship that sense of comfort is really impactful and important and i think that after all these years like ramona keeping destiny in her wallet like i think even though they don't talk there's still that connection and i i fully relate to that i really admire that and i think it's i think that that's really impactful storytelling and really impactful filmmaking i agree wholeheartedly (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) no i have nothing else to say because that you know is yes. that's it that's it <laughs> so that's hustlers baby and that's j-lo and that's jennifer fucking lopez hell yeah she's he, great mm, did she end up marrying a rod or is she just engaged i think they're still, still engaged wow. they didn't get uh, engaged that long ago i think it was like less than a year ago well that wedding's gonna be insane and we're not gonna be invited so <laughs> <laughs> who knows maybe this podcast will become humongous and she'll be like those people are great let's invite them to the wedding I would just go and like eat all the food because I know that she would hire like bomb ass caterers. Oh my God. It'd just be like a lot of like Puerto Rican food and shit. Absolutely. And then I'd like pull out my wallet and be like, I have a picture of you in my wallet, JLo. And then that's (laughs) that it will be the precise moment in our relationship where she hands me the restraining order (laughs) and escorts you out of the wedding. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Monica, what have you dabbled in this week? I have dabbled in, I've been cooking a lot like a lot anything especially delicious uh yes so there is this dish called uh quinoa e fagioli oh yes i saw this on your instagram the other day it's fucking bonkers it is a soup stew whatever the fuck it is it Uh is just a bunch of chopped vegetables um and chicken broth and it's like quinoa the way that i'm describing it makes it sound disgusting it is so fucking good i like quinoa it sounds good it's like a white bean and quinoa soup essentially and it's starting (laughs) i'm gonna sound like a fucking asshole Mm -hmm. it's starting to get cooler in in los angeles (laughs) well it's fully 80 degrees outside and still on fire uh (laughs) but it's like there's like a slight chill in the air like it feels like fall but i think that's just because everything smells like a campfire uh, also not only that but like because it's been like 120 degrees Uh 80 degrees feels like winter (laughs) so you know you're right i know so i know i'm right jessica so i've been i've been like cooking a lot of like soups and stuff like that so like i very so the thing that i want to say like is my dabbling is i very recently procured my red dutch oven and okay she is my dabble we love a dutch oven (laughs) (laughs) she is my dabble she's my best friend we do everything together okay we hold each other's hands wow we're there for each other (laughs) we have a strong 
bond. A strong ass bond. And we're going to continue having a strong bond until the end of time slash until I lose it. <laughs> anyway. Yay, Sika. What the yeah. hell dabbled in? Yeah, this is hard because I really like truly nothing has changed in my life for the past week. All I've been doing is fucking working and watching movies for this podcast. <laughs> That's all I've been doing too, besides cooking, I guess. I've been cooking a lot of Chrissy Teigen's recipes, and I did make mm. scallops for the very first time this I, week. I'm too scared to dabble into scallops. You know, they're very difficult to tell when they're cooked. You just have to trust the recipe and be like, if I messed it up, I messed it up, and the I'm thing not going to If eat you scallops. have a bad scallop, like you're, you're done. Well, you can tell on the <laughs> first dead. bite if it's not, you know, the, the right, if you didn't cook it correctly. So, like, yeah. It's quick. Scallops. You can you can easily figure it out and then just be like, well, I guess I'm just not eating scallops. But you know, they're hard. They're scary to cook. I will. I'll give you that. Okay. But I she would has never. she has a recipe for um like scallop linguine with casino breadcrumbs. Mm. And casino breadcrumbs are the are like yes. the breadcrumbs you put on clams casino. Yes, they're yes, made yes, with yes. like you roast breadcrumbs in garlic mm-hmm. and salt and pepper and mm-hmm. bacon bits and parmesan. Mm-hmm. They're fucking incredible amazing we had all this leftover bread from it was my brother's birthday a while ago of course it was they had they got a ton of takeout for like 10 people from bestia which if you've <laughs> never been to bestia it's like a really fancy like i was gonna say italian place Jesus where Christ. you can't get a table for like you have to make a reservation like a um, month in advance jessica's brother's <laughs> wife is rich as fuck <laughs> not jessica's brother jessica's brother's wife <laughs> they're they're you know there's money there's they're well off um that's so we what had, rich people say <laughs> so we had food from bestia and there was so much fucking bread bread there was so much bread and so uh my sister-in-law just gave me all this bread to take home and i was like well what am i gonna do with this bread and i made it i made i took the bread and you're supposed to use fresh bread, but I used stale ass two day bread, old bread. Yeah. It didn't make a difference. And I put it through the food processor and I made breadcrumbs out of the bestia bread. And it was the, uh, may I say Amazing. the bestia? <laughs> <laughs> I hate the fuck out of you. Thank you. I would not put you in my wallet. <laughs> so that's not really like a dabble per se, but that's, that's how my week has been. Um, I just would like to preface everything. I guess not preface, but epilogue. (laughs) I would like to epilogue everything by saying, in not quarantine, Jessica and I do a lot of stuff. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) We do do theater. Yeah, I was going to say, we do plays. We go to different restaurants. We play, like, what's that? (laughs) We're going to say croquet. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say croquet. We do not play croquet, you fucking liar. We, but like, what I'm saying is like, we do stuff. But I mean, everyone is in the same boat right now. Nobody is doing anything. Right. I just want to say, we're not this boring. We don't just (laughs) do this. Quarantine has forced us to do this. In the future, we'll be like, yeah, we fucking went to Swingers Diner and it was glorious. And then we also went to the fucking park and we like did X, Y, and Z. (laughs) So just bear with us. I promise you that post-core-core, we'll be doing shit. And it'll be We'll have lots of things to tell you about. I will dabble in like pottery. It'll be fantastic. You could do that now. You could order a wheel. No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well. Well. That was Jello. That was Jello. That is the end of this episode. To be truthful, we do not have any questions today. Don't no, fucking ask no us why. No question this week. Sorry. 
We are still popular in our own minds. The questions are up to you guys. That's all that matters. If you don't fucking send us a question, I'll come to your house. (laughs) I'll sleep under your bed. Well, Monica, nobody is sending us questions. So now you have to do that for everyone listening. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Scratch everything I just said. I'm just going to give you a mean face without you being able to see it. One, two, three. All right. All right, kids. Farewell. See you next week. Goodbye. Oh, and uh, don't don't sue us, Daddy Daddy Favreau. Favreau. (laughs) Bye. Bye.